Hello and welcome to the Attribution Marketing Podcast. Today's guest is Scott Brinker from ChiefMartech.com. Scott is a veteran in the industry and an expert in all things marketing technology. And he believes that marketing has become a technology-powered discipline. And marketing organizations must infuse these technical capabilities into their DNA if they're going to succeed. So Scott, I want you to help us understand how marketing is changing as a result of technology. Go. Wow. Okay. If I can sum that up in uh, 30 seconds, uh, it's getting fun. Uh, so first of all, thanks for having me uh, on the show here. It's great to connect with you. Uh, and yeah, I mean, and, you know, I, I joke, but not really, right? I mean, like marketing in the past 10 years has just been on this incredible ride of the expansion of the scope uh, of responsibilities that marketers have, uh, the capabilities they have, uh, you know, all these new technologies that have, you know, swept through uh, the, the consumer world that makes its way into the business world. Um, I mean, just it, 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 it's really amazing. And the fun stuff is that, yeah, it's it's just beginning, you know, even now here with uh, 2020 and uh, the craziness everyone's been through uh, with COVID-19, you know, I guess, yeah, one of the silver linings of this has been that that acceleration uh, of digital marketing and digital business more broadly. It's 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 clear we're we're just tapping the, the, the beginnings of what's going to be possible here. Now, I, I noticed that you focused almost uh, your whole response on digital, which is obviously where the majority of this change and revolution is, is coming from. But do you have any insights into the, the broadcast industry with podcasting like we're on today or OTT or even just traditional TV and radio? What technology has come to those mediums that might not have been there, you know, even three or four years ago? Yeah, well, I mean, so certainly, uh, you know, uh, uh, over the top is, uh, uh, I mean, we're, we're doing this podcast here now. I mean, uh, you see uh, all the rebundling that's happening, uh, you know, in entertainment that we're getting through uh, uh, just new services here. It's It does feel like, uh, you know, that entire environment uh, is changing. I confess that, uh, yeah, when it comes to uh, like the TV industry, uh, that is not an area of specialty I have, but, you know, my understanding of, yeah, just uh, the ability of uh, having addressable uh, audiences at this point. Um, I mean, it's, it's game changing in, you know, both from an analytical perspective, but also, yeah, in, you know, really being able to target our content uh, to the right audiences. Yeah, I think it's an interesting shift in uh, strategy and, and what's possible. I would uh, say that 10 years ago, people were still deploying the kind of spray and pray methodology for broadcast. You know, if we uh, buy the Super Bowl commercial and get in front of enough people, well, a percentage of those people are going to act. We don't know who they are. We don't know what their expectations are or their demographics, but we're pretty sure they're they're going to watch the Super Bowl, so let's interrupt them with our messaging and hope that some of them convert. I think that that's almost gone now. Like it's it's not it's not gone. People are still uh, making big splashes on TV and radio, but I think that that is a a dying breed of marketer. I don't know if you can unpack that 
a little bit for us. But if you're not using some of this smart tech, if you're not using the cutting edge tools that are out there, either in digital or broadcast, how are you able to evaluate your performance? How do you know that it's working? Yeah. So instead of uh, spray and pray, we've gone to aim and pray, <laughs> which hey, it's a step forward. <laughs> um, a little bit yeah, better. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think it's interesting. So I, obviously, I'm a you know advocate for uh, uh, you know this 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 rapid evolution of Martech, and a lot of that is very much focused on performance oriented uh, and highly measurable uh, technologies and experiences for customers. Uh, that being said, you know. I still find that, yeah, you know, not everything in the world is yet connected to, you know, performance marketing. Uh, and some of it's just, right, you know, I mean, the nature of, you know, some of these early, uh, you know, brand uh, campaigns. Yeah, even if they're being delivered through channels that have performance potential, you know, it's sort of a seeding of mindset and a changing of perception uh, that doesn't necessarily lead to immediate action, uh, but does still influence people uh, over time. Uh, and so I, I always like to, uh, yeah, keep a healthy balance of perspective here that we don't swing the pendulum too far. But that being said, I think the point you were making is, okay, well, if you're in marketing today and you're not taking full advantage uh, of uh, what these performance technologies are in a position to offer you, um, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're a dinosaur at this point. I mean, it, it's, it's just crazy to uh, not take advantage of what's there, even if you still believe some of these other channels and tactics uh, still have uh, merit, which I believe they do. Yeah, it's a fair point. But I, I want to pick up on something that you said there, which is even if you still believe that X and Y is true, and we've really seen uh, a big shift into people that are interested in the proof um, or a almost impartial validation of what those marketing hunches are, and we, we want to usher that in. We are a big believer in... Uh, basically being an impartial data source and helping advertisers and marketers and agencies basically uh, see the, the, the real results of those ad campaigns. And what I think a lot of marketers are doing wrong these days or sort of still doing wrong is marketers believe if they can get inbound leads or uh, new form fills or new phone calls or more people walking into the showroom to buy a car that they did their job. If marketing can deliver marketing qualified leads to the sales department, well then marketing is working. But what we've seen a big shift in uh, is obviously attribution. That's where we hang our hat. But the marketers that are really winning and the brands that are winning are tracking things all the way down to that end conversion, the actual sale. The marketing department needs to know that the billboard on Main Street is selling more Ford F-150s, not just getting people to come into the dealership, not impressions, not clicks, not visitors, but sales, that bottom of the funnel conversion. So what are your thoughts on that and how people can leverage MarTech and how they should leverage MarTech to really be focusing, if that's your recommendation, that's what we recommend, but should be focusing on that bottom of the funnel conversion. Talk us through some of that, if you would. 
Yeah, I mean, it it is challenging to generalize this because, um, you know, at some level, it, it, it does depend a lot on the nature of what you're selling and who you're selling it to, um, you know, what the, the, the consideration process is for that, uh, how many people are involved in it, um, you know, what time scale it happens over. I mean, there's just, there's a, there's a lot of factors. I think, you know, the efficacy of measurement for non-performance-based channels, but trying to map them into an attribution framework. I think it's an incredibly valuable uh, you know, investment. Uh, and I think it's just, it really comes down to a question of like, okay, well, what is the accuracy power of that? You know, and it's very hard in, in, in this world to get 100% accuracy on anything right. uh, from a data uh, perspective. Like uh, there are just so many factors that end up like influencing you know, people's decisions making. But that being said, you know, you don't need 100% accuracy in order to make more intelligent decisions. You know, if you are getting a directional signal, you know, that is validating, uh, you know, the hypotheses that you're testing and marketing experiments, I mean, that is tremendously valuable. If it has like, you know, 60%, 70%, 80% predictive power, uh, right. right. I mean, that's that, that that's huge. And so I think you just, you know, you, you got to keep your expectations in line with, uh, you know, OK, w what is the science actually, uh, you know, let us do? Yeah. Yeah. Fair point. And we see a lot of people uh, struggle with that, especially in the e-commerce space when they say, OK, I, I logged into my Shopify account and I see I have a thousand sales this month. Great. Well, let me check the Facebook campaign. Facebook says I got 680 conversions. Well, let me check the Google campaign. Google says I got 712 conversions. Well, I know because I sold 1,000 t-shirts that I only got 1,000 sales, but the sum of the two platforms tell me I got more than that. Why are these guys double counting? Why don't they communicate? I think you know where this is going, but if you have a walled garden in Facebook, a walled garden with Google, and now the world's biggest walled garden is now Amazon. If these guys don't communicate with each other, how can you get to that predictive power? How have you seen um, marketers sort of uh, uh, cross those walled gardens, let's, let's say, and bring the data that they need into the equation so that they can get that predictive power? Let us know how you see that playing out and maybe how people have done it successfully in your experience. Yeah, no, it's definitely an interesting challenge. Um, uh, I used to write a lot about this. Uh, I almost called it, uh, well, I did call it uh, this vertical competition uh, within uh, uh, marketing environments where, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the, that, that walled garden effect, you know, of very large tech companies, uh, it is definitely changing the dynamics of how marketing works. Um, and yeah, it, it, it can be frustrating that, you know, those, those large tech companies, um, I mean, you know, I'm sure they're in their world, in their silo, they are seeking to serve their customers and serve their customers well. Uh, but because strategically, you know, they're also competing with each other. Um, yeah, it, it, it creates dynamics that actually do make it challenging for marketers to uh, get alignment across all of these. And I think you see, you know, I mean, marketers, uh, you know, and MarTech companies like yours, you know, you know like uh, doing the best to like overcome that uh, by as much as possible trying to put 
the analysis of what's working in the hands of the marketer and not having to rely on you know a particular channel uh, to say, hey, our channel's working best for you. Trust us. Um, you know, so I think that's that, that's a shift that's happening. Um, we hear that all the time, and we call it grading your own homework, right? So Google shows up and says, hey, I just wanted to let you know, your ad campaigns are performing very well. And if you, if you, you know, if you spend more, you'll get more. Wow, what a surprise. Well, you know, attribution and what Leads RX is all about is we want to know those true conversions and the true cost of those conversions. And if uh, that Google search click also that customer also experienced a LinkedIn ad click and a Facebook ad click and heard a radio ad, we bring all that together into the analysis so that when that cookie and a cookie represents a device and a device hopefully represents one person, when that person buys the t-shirt, we know that, um, that it, it costs $67 in ad spend to bring them there, a portion of Google, a portion of Facebook, a portion from radio, a portion from LinkedIn, and net, 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 if you look at it from a multi-touch attribution perspective, Google should get 0.34% of that conversion, Facebook should get 0.18%, and then when you do the math and, and net it all out, um, over thousands of conversions, you get that directional signal, like you mentioned, that says, for every dollar that I spend, I will get more out of putting it on an Instagram story ad versus a Google search campaign. I'm going to get a higher return on ad spend from the Instagram ad. So that's where I'm going to put my money. That's what we are, uh, you know, that's where we hang our hat and we help our clients answer those questions and get more out of their return on ad spend. And I think this is just where the industry is going and, and marketers who understand how all these pieces come together are able to almost eliminate the noise and uh, focus on what matters, the conversions at the bottom and what campaigns help you get more conversions to the bottom. Not newsletter signups, not more Twitter followers, but paying customers down at the bottom. That's what attribution is all about. And I think that's uh, kind of what you're alluding to here as well. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like when I was really getting started in digital marketing, uh, I was running a, a conversion optimization company and I, I spent years in the conversion optimization space. And one of the things that always frustrated with me, it was, it was a great learning environment around experimentation. Um, but yeah, you know, it's the fact that there's this there's a huge difference between local optimization and global optimization. And local optimization saying, okay, well, I can drive people to a landing page and I can get them to click a call to action on that landing page. But that doesn't necessarily correspond to what happens to them actually becoming a customer, what value of a customer, are they gonna be a retained customer? Um, you know, and it's, it's, you know, as marketing departments grow large and as they've got all these tremendous you know, variety of channels and tactics that they're playing, it's certainly easier to focus on the local optimization wins. But at the end of the day, the local optimization wins, you know, I mean, they can actually lead you astray from what yeah. is the global optimization that you're reaching for. So yeah, I, boy, I, I deeply passionately agree with you, uh, you know, and what the, uh, you know, real mission there should be. Marketing and the MarTech landscape is 
it's so robust now and the graphs are so pretty and the data is is so robust that's that's a good euphemism i haven't heard before <laughs> okay well hey we try to keep it positive over here that's all i can say so you know uh you can fall in love with the favorite tool or the favorite report and you say like uh, you know my bounce rate went down okay <laughs> like and you know, Google changed how they track bounce rates. What does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. So we see people all the time who sort of have their eye on the, the wrong metric or simply don't even know what the right metric is. And obviously there's a lot to it. You can be running uh, uh, sort of awareness campaigns that don't have a direct response. You're not even seeking that conversion. You're more or less just trying to get your logo and your messaging and your offer, you know, stuck in, in people's minds. Um, and so that's a whole different animal. But in the end, if you look at the customer journeys over a long enough time period, three months, six months, you know, to a year, you can see that the Geico ad for 15 minutes could save you 15% or more actually is or is not better than, you know, their caveman ads that they were running you know, 10 years ago. So I think it's an important point to make, but I, we see all the time marketers that are putting money into what they believe is working because the the software is uh, that they're looking at and that they put their stake in is telling them that they're working. So how, maybe from your experience, how do you break that mindset or how do you get them to take a step back and, you know, focus on the, the two or three things that really matter. Or maybe I'll rephrase this question in a shorter way. What what are the two or three data points that really do matter that you would recommend any marketer to keep their eye on if they're interested in performance? Yeah, I mean, again, this is one of these questions that it, it, it depends. It depends. Because- it depends. Um, you know, I mean, I think at the end of the day, right? I mean, sales, uh, in fact, if we really want to get, you know, down to it, right? It's not just revenue, it's actually profitability. Like, who are your profitable customers? Um, yeah, because they can be different than <laughs> those who are necessarily just uh, spending money if they also cost you a tremendous amount to uh, hold. So, I mean, that ultimately is what, you know, the business needs to run on. The challenge for marketers is, again, depending on what you're selling, there's this this just time uh, that elapses, you know, between various marketing touch points and getting to a place where you actually measure profit, you know. And so, sure, at some level, you want to make sure that you know your strategic review uh, is really looking at this through you know a revenue and profit lens. But at the same time, you know, marketing needs to operate at the speed of digital. And so it very often does have to work with imperfect metrics earlier in the funnel, just because, I mean, like, for instance, you know, we, we talked about the landing pages and like, yeah, you know, I mean, I can have a landing page conversion rate that is disconnected from what my actual, you know, revenue profitability target is. And so you have to be careful about that. You have to use the revenue and profitability, you know, metrics as a way to to, to validate, you know, even the nature of those conversions, you know, earlier in the journey. But at the same time, when I'm actually running that landing page and I'm wanting to do A-B testing, you know, on a variety of content elements, you know, and the call to action and what's working best there, 
I don't have the ability to run that A-B test based on you know its impact on profitability if I'm not going to be able to measure that profitability until like months down the road. Right. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I think e-commerce is a particularly exciting space right now is because, again, it depends. But in general, you know, like the the cycle time, uh, yep. you know, from touch points to actual transactions in e-commerce are much shorter. And so it does start to become possible to say, oh, OK, well, actually, I can be using those downstream metrics, you know, as a way to influence uh, selection of, you know, experiments that I'm running, uh, you know, further upstream. But yeah, it really, this is where it really comes down to like, okay, you need to understand the business, the customers, which channels they're coming through, what are these steps you're trying to get them through. Um, and then make sure, yeah, you know, you, you've got that, that balance, I would say, between the local analytics uh, and uh, the global ones. Tell us about your experiences at, at HubSpot. I mean, you know, where you can, obviously, but you know, HubSpot is has emerged as the, the thought leader. They went public. It's inbound marketing. They are um, a, a very, very important component in the MarTech landscape. And I know that um, you uh, facilitate a lot of their ecosystem stuff and work with their partner program. So what makes a good partner program? What do you look for in, in that ecosystem? you know, what, what makes a good partner inside of it. Uh, and just talk us through your experiences there, maybe what you would uh, have learned at HubSpot, what they do well, and, and what you think has led to all their success. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot there. I, uh, I'm really excited to join HubSpot uh, with this mission uh, on the ecosystem, because, you know, really for the past decade that I've been, uh, you know, writing about MarTech and producing that year over year chart of, you know, the MarTech landscape. Um, I mean, it just, it, it became clear. I mean, we heard this directly from marketers, right? It's like the problem in marketing technology wasn't a lack of innovation. The problem was a lack of integration, uh, that there were all these amazing tools and capabilities being created, but the burden was really being put on the shoulders of the marketers to figure out how to duct tape these things together. And that's just... You know, that's not where marketing, uh, you know, I mean, generally, you know, marketing doesn't have that skill set, uh, you know, as part of their, uh, you know, organization. And to be honest, they shouldn't have that as part of their organization, right? I mean, they've, they've got much more important things to be focused right. on than, you know, yeah. you know, data model matching. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, this is something that, quite frankly, the responsibility is on the shoulders of the major marketing platforms. Uh, and so, yeah, when HubSpot, uh, you know, asked me to join and, you know, help them with their transformation to really embrace uh, that platform approach. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, OK, you had me at hello there, um, yeah. you know. And so, yeah, it's, it, it, you know, I mean, I think what makes a great ecosystem is the participants on all sides there have to put the customer first. I mean, one of the things that uh, really impressed me about HubSpot um, is so HubSpot, you know, has a, has a has a fairly wide footprint with its product, which means for a lot of the companies who are in our ecosystem, they complement HubSpot, but there's also a little bit of competitive overlap, you know, particularly, you know, at the baseline use cases, you know, there's a lot that we provide just out of the box. And I would say in some ecosystems, you would see, oh, well, if there's any competitive overlap, then we just won't let those other folks in. Right, um, right. And that's just, 
that doesn't serve the customer. I mean, you know, customers have very specific needs. They want to be able to pick the combination of tools that serve their business best, you know, and uh, I'm, yeah, really happy that, you know, HubSpot has taken the position of, come on in the water's fine. You know, it is okay if we have competitive overlap in certain things. What matters is, you know, if we're going to get the two products to work together well, and we both want to serve the customer well, you know, then we're thrilled to have them, you know, as a partner in the ecosystem. And that, yeah, that, that I, I feel like that's really, okay, a, a, a ecosystem view of the world and not just, uh, oh, it's my product and only my product. They could have closed off the ecosystem. They could have uh, made it um, almost better for them, worse for the customer. And instead they, uh, you know, stuck true to their mission and, and, want to build the environment that helps marketers and helps people convert. And I think that's reflected in, in their success. And, uh, you know, I think bringing you on board obviously helped as well. So congratulations with all your success there. Let's maybe transition to some more of the fun stuff here. Tell us more about, you know, the site you've put together at Chief Martech and, um, you know, why you're passionate about this show and help help our audience find their way over to the, to this show, where can they connect with you? How do they subscribe and, and join the podcast and, and just tell them though, how to connect with Scott, uh, on online. I mean, I, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful that, uh, you know, I, I, I started the chief martech.com blog, uh, purely as a, a passion project, a labor of love. Uh, and I have to admit why I started it, right. I mean, you know, <laughs> this idea of saying, so what happens if you blended IT and marketing together? I mean, this was kind of a niche topic <laughs> at the time. There were like maybe 50 people who were like, oh, yeah, that sounds like fun. Let's read that. Um, and so, yeah, I've just been, yeah, incredibly grateful that, um, yeah, that that intersection between those disciplines, you know, has really emerged uh, as, yeah, sort of a new kind of a whole new, you know, subset of a profession uh, within marketing at this point. Uh, and so one of the things I try and do with, uh, you know, Chief Martech and now this uh, Martech show podcast I'm running uh, is I try and keep it as much a labor of love as uh, possible. Uh, you know, to me, it's, it is very much about just finding, uh, you know, the topics of the people uh, that I think are interesting. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, just sort of exploring this evolution as it continues on. Um, so yeah, if you want to come, uh, you know, check it out. The blog is Chief Martech without an H at the end. Uh, so C-H-I-E-F-M-A-R-T-E-C.com. Uh, and I'm also at Chief Martech at, uh, on Twitter. Um, yeah, and off of that, you can find things for the Martech show and uh, other stuff. But yeah, I always love to, yeah, engage with people and just hear their perspective, their experience, like, you know, what's happening in their company with, uh, you know, marketing tech and marketing operations. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Thanks to Scott Brinker from ChiefMartech.com. If you guys have questions or are looking into marketing technology, strongly recommend you go check out ChiefMartech.com. There are hundreds of articles, infographics, podcast episodes uh, coming from Scott and, and his team that really break down the leaders in the industry. So if you want to know how brands like uh, IBM and HubSpot are tackling these types of issues, 
you are not alone. Come join Scott on the site, on the podcast. There is much to learn. And uh, that about wraps it up for us. Thank you for listening. This is the Attribution Marketing Podcast, signing off.